says, when we are right with God, which is what our, our invitation is to be, is to be right with God. It really means to have right standing, praise God. There's a lot that goes into that equation. But I believe that today we can have that right standing with God. We can come boldly to the throne of grace in our time of need. Let's lift up our hands with prayer now. If you've got somebody that's on your heart, if you've got something you need the Lord to do, I'm telling you right now, there's faith in this place in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Mm, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, God. Yes, God, we, we are just absolutely ecstatic about being in your presence. God, your name and your way is amongst us, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you for the ability to come, Lord God. Thank you for grace. Let that just be poured out in this place, the enablement, Lord God, the divine influence of God upon our hearts. Let it just be just, let it drench us, Lord God. Let it just absolutely fill our cups to overflowing in Jesus' name. And God, I do, I believe you. I know that your ways, Lord God, are just absolutely great in Jesus' name. Touch every person here. Let these people who are online, Lord God, let them, Lord Jesus, feel in the strength of the Lord in their homes, wherever they're at, in Jesus' name. I pray for the loosening of their lives so that they can come to church. They can experience an atmosphere like this, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, I thank you, Lord Jesus. I give you praise and I give you glory, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Lord God, that the name of the Lord God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Praise God. And there's tremendous things that happen. Electricity is one of the necessities of our life, and it, it's produced in many different areas. Praise God. One of the things that happens with electricity, though, with a lot of things that are energy related is it loses a certain amount of its strength as we try to take it from A to B or A to C or whatever the case is. Um, and um, and it's, I'm glad to know that the Spirit of the Lord isn't that way in Jesus' name. Um, one of the things that we're wrestling as a church is we wrestle with the idea that we're trying to replicate what goes on in here um, you know, over the lines, and I understand that there's a certain amount of witnessing that will happen with that. But um, with that in mind, um, um, there's a certain amount of things that you're just going to have to come. You're just going to have to be a part of what we're doing in here. That doesn't mean you can't get anything someplace else or on, on, on the Internet, that type of thing. But I've just learned that there are just certain things that you just can't replicate. Praise God. And if, whether that be divine order or whatever the case is, but that's just how it is. And so we're thankful. We're thankful that you can come to church. Those of you that are watching us online, we welcome you. We want you to understand that this church loves you, and we want to see you grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so hopefully we can see you come out to services and join with us and be a part of what's going on in a, in a church like this in Jesus' name. Um, one of the passions that I have, of course, is for growth. I believe that every individual can. I believe that there's nobody that's on the face of the earth, praise God, that can't grow. Now, I understand that sometimes growth can be in increments and that type of thing. There was a, I think it was a palm tree that, um, uh, that they planted over in the Middle East someplace that, that had it in the ground for five years, and then after five years, it just shot up. And I forget what the, the type of growth it was, but it was tremendous. And sometimes that will happen in a person's life. There will be things that are happening underneath the surface where people don't see what's going on. And then all of a sudden, you'll see some type of spiritual growth, which, which will a lot of times manifest itself in fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, praise God. That's what we need to pursue, and that's something that, that God can help us. Having said that, about two years ago, or maybe three years ago, I introduced a book to this congregation called Every Day Jesus. It's by a good friend of mine, J. Mark Jordan. 
Um, he's a tremendous communicator. Um, I recommend this book highly to anybody who wants to daily begin to um, see some growth in their own personal life. It has to do with a lot of different increments, about 30 different chapters that deal with different aspects of your relationship with God as a whole. Um, I have a new book here, though it's not a new one, it's a book that I would recommend that, that, that could go even a step further than that. One of the things that I've recognized as an apostolic is that, that, that questions are going to be asked, praise God. I always use the idea of Solomon. Solomon's reputation was tremendous, praise God. That temple that he built, the things that he was allowing to happen in the services there in Jerusalem back in the Old Testament were tremendous. People that came um, were just absolutely mesmerized and, and changed. One of them was the Queen of Sheba. She had heard about what was going on, so she just made a trip, and it wasn't an easy trip. It was probably over several months that she had to travel to come to the place where, where, the, um, where the event was taking place, but she saw right away um, that there was a difference, praise God, that there was something happening in that temple that wasn't happening everywhere. That's one of the reasons why I recommend keep inviting people to come to church. It's a tremendous place to be. I don't take this for granted. Amen. But I realize that when people come to the, uh, to the house of God, that's usually when their questions will be um, coming to the surface. That's usually what will happen because a place like this, an atmosphere like this will stir that up. Amen. A lot of times our busyness in the world and our, our routine and whatever's going on in our life sometimes will kind of uh, put that stuff on the back burner. But when we come into the presence of God, all of a sudden we start questioning things. Amen. And in my opinion, that's a healthy thing. The danger there, I should say, the risk is where do we go to get our answers? Where do we go? Do we go to the internet, um, you know, to, to the news media or to the, you know, to what's going on out there, trendy and that type of thing? And again, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying that a lot of times that's what people are doing. They're looking for answers and, and they'll go to some sources that really, in my opinion, and I hope I don't sound condescending, but they don't have a clue. Amen. That's why the Queen of Sheba knew that Solomon had a clue. That he knew what was going on. And it doesn't give us a, a list of the questions and the answers that Solomon got, gave her, but I imagine that they were, they were tremendously uplifting to her. Praise God. Even history itself will support the fact that that queen went back and, and tried to uh, build a replicate of that temple. That she saw something there. Praise God. And I'm not saying that was a bad thing, but it's the Spirit of God that made the difference in that temple. Yes, just like it's in this place here. You know, we can dress it up and paint it a different color and change the carpet and get more comfortable seats, but really it's the Spirit of God that makes the difference. That's what we seek. My wife, she kind of... Um, um, it has a way of asking probing questions, and I appreciate that about her. The only thing that she's getting used to is I can't give her instant answers sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I got to think about what she just said. Sometimes I got to think about what she's saying, you know, and her and I had a discussion this past week, many of them, or several of them, but one of them was on the move of God. What does a move of God look like? The spirit, you know, we're seeking the spiritual things. And if I had time today, I could give you tremendous examples in the scripture, praise God, where there were definite moves of God, the spirit of the Lord. One, of course, is in that Old Testament. When Solomon got finished building that temple, praise God, the Bible says the dedication came. Dedication to what? Dedication to God. The spirit of the Lord came down, praise God, and took precedent over everything that was happening. Amen. And in my opinion, that is something as human beings, we need to pursue that. We need to pursue that letting God come into our life and take precedent over any and everything that's going on. And I understand in our busy way of life, you know, where we've got 110 different things that we have to accomplish in a week's time, that that's hard for that to happen. That's why giving time for the, for, the, for the Spirit of the Lord to move in not only personally but collectively, I think, is a healthy thing. That's a sign of a healthy church that will just sit back and say, God, we just want you to have your way here. Praise God. And man, when that happens, all kinds of things can happen. But another book that I would highly recommend uh, is by um, a man named David K. Bernard. You've heard me make reference to him many times. Um, I appreciate the man. I, I served on the same board as him for several years and just appreciated his spirit. I really do. And he has written a lot of books on the apostolic way. One of them in particular is The Apostolic Life. 
Now, this would be a book that if you're looking for uh, answers to your questions, biblically, I'm talking about from a spiritual standpoint, this would be a great book for you to have. It's got like 30 or 35 or 40 chapters in it, and it deals with a lot of different subjects that are, in my opinion, still relevant today. See, that's one of the things the world has done, is tried to make a lot of the things that the Bible absolutely proves and stipulates as irrelevant. It doesn't matter today. Oh, yes, it does. And why? Because it still matters to God. And to me, that's the most important thing. So if you want a, want a book like this, you can order it online. I, with Sister Carnahan can help you with that, that type of thing. But I want to see people grow. I want to see people get the answers to their questions the right way in Jesus' name. Because I'm telling you something, folks. Questions are going to come, and God wants to help us in these pursuits in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let me talk about something here for the next few minutes today. Um, you know, I've always stipulated the difference between problems and challenges. Yeah, there's all, and, and those two things in life are going to happen. I, somebody said one time that we want the three Ps in our life. We, want, we, we don't want any problems, or we, we don't want them in our life. We don't want any problems, any pressure, any, um, I forget what the third one is all the time. And what is that? pain yeah those are three p's that we don't want and life is full of those things i don't want to be negative but realistically folks that's not going to happen so what's the next uh, step the next step is how do we deal with them how do we allow these things in our life which are going to come anyway help us to grow because a lot of times that's what they're there for from god's standpoint god doesn't get into making you have suffering in your life you and I are, are, are good at being self-inflicted. We do that to ourselves. Some of the things that we do or won't do is what causes a lot of our suffering. It really does. And then we blame God, don't we? Yeah, that's what we do. But we have to be careful because God is saying, hey, you have the ability to turn that faucet off. You have the ability to do something about that. You have the ability to grow much, much bigger than that, praise God. And then usually what will happen, praise God, is we'll have a whole brand new set. I've said it over the years. God could come in and, and he could, literally, within the next 30 seconds, solve every problem in your life. Sure he could. He's God. He can do that. But probably about two minutes later, you'd have a whole new set. See, that's what we have the ability to do. So we're going to live in a world that sometimes will have problems. Problems need answers. Amen. They need it. they got to have some kind of, what's, what am I to do with this? Now, challenges are there to strengthen us. Amen. There's things that, that aren't going to go away, praise God. They're just going to always be there, and they're there to strengthen you, praise God. And so consider those two areas of your life in Jesus' name. Paul had a problem. Let me show you what it was. Look at the book of Romans. The book of Romans, chapter number 7. He talked about this a little bit in this chapter, and um, he presented a, a, a problem. And, you know, as we're turning there, or as, as it gets on the screen, chapter number 7, um, let me just tell you what that problem was, and that was his flesh. The problem was his flesh. And the flesh wasn't going to go away, you know. He had to deal with it in, in some way or another. Um, and, and he makes some statements here that can sometimes be taken the wrong way. And it kind of can be taken as, well, just give up. And no matter what, that's the way I am. I might as well just go on and be that way. That's not what he's prevent, or presenting as the solution in chapter 7 of Romans, by the way. He's not saying that. He's just presenting the problem. The problem is the flesh. And, and immature saints a lot of times will blame the devil a lot of times for what their flesh is doing. That's what it is. And the devil likes that, by the way. He'll take credit for every problem in your life. He will. He wants you to think he's more powerful than anything in the world. And that is not true. Praise God. We serve Almighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was thinking this week and pondering the, the question, what does a move of God look like? You know? And I thought of the, uh, the, what came to me in prayer one, one day during this week, and that's how it works with me. God, just a lot of times while I'm going through that routine faithfulness that God has called me to do, God will present the answers. I don't have to force them. I don't have to get mad or upset. 
I'm just in the midst of, the, of, of what I know is a move of God or the Spirit of God in my life, all of a sudden it's just there, like that. And this week was no different, you know. Um, uh, the, the scripture says, and I'm, I'm taking an, a little bit of a, of, a, of, a, of a detour here, but I feel like somebody needs to see this. Look at Psalms. Psalms 46, and then we'll get back to 40, uh, the seventh chapter of Romans here in just a second. But Psalms 46. The Bible says there in verse number one, here's, here's, here's what a move of God or the Spirit of God will look like in your life after you receive the Holy Ghost. The Scripture says in verse number one, it says, God is our refuge and strength. And look at those next ver- three words there. A very, you know what that word presence means there? You know what that literally means? It means he can be found. He can, you can find God today, even amongst all the clutter that we have. And he's ever present. He's right there. Um, the Apostle Paul, we're going to refer to him in seven here, but he, he made, um, you know, he's our ever-present help in our time of need. He's right there. He's immediate. He doesn't have to get in a car and get there. Because he's omnipresent, he's already there. That's why your faith in him is really what determines how fast it will happen. It doesn't have to do with God because God is right there already. He's already got the solutions. He's already got the, got the recourse. And the more faith that we can have towards God, in my opinion, the more that hastens that. Paul, when he was... Um, came into the um, Athens, you know, in the 17th chapter of the book of Acts. You can study this for yourself. He looked all over the place and he saw all of these monuments that were made to these gods that did not exist. People in their own imaginations had come up with them. And finally, he he found a preaching point. And that was a monument that was made to the unknown God. Many of you know this because it's in the scriptures, praise God. They didn't want to forget any God, so they just made a statue to the one that they didn't know about yet. And, God said, and Paul said, let me show you, let me, let me talk about him. And for the next probably 8 or 10 or 15 verses there, that's what he does. He doesn't put down their false gods, although he could have. He doesn't start tearing down how bad they are, which he could have. You know, what Paul does is he does something, in my opinion, that's very wise. He begins to present the one true God. And that's what you apostolics have the opportunity to do every day. We can present that one true God because there is only one God. Amen. There's only one incarnation, and that happened to Jesus Christ. Amen. It wasn't another God in Jesus. It was the almighty God in Jesus. And Jesus was presenting that one true God. He was the one that told Lazarus to come forth. He was the one that took bread and began to break it, praise God, and fed thousands of people. That was the one true God, and that's what Paul decided to say. I'm going to tell you about him. But he makes reference to the fact that, 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 you, know, that you can find him. That's the important thing. He's not some important God up there that you've got to make an appointment, and two months later maybe you'll get in to see him. This is an ever-present God. Come on, folks. You want a move of the Spirit? You can have it, praise God, in your own personal life. You can do that. Do you have problems and situations that arise during the week that you can't get to church until Wednesday or Sunday? Come on. He's an ever-present help in our time of need. That's a move of God. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Whether it be big or little, it doesn't make any difference, praise God. He wants you to know that he's real and that he can be found in Jesus' name. Come on. Why don't you lift both of those hands right now? Why don't we practice this? Why don't we come to God with faith, praise God, saying, Lord, I am going to depend on you. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, I believe he's here right now. Oh, what a tremendous God. What a tremendous God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. And that's the God that you and I serve in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God. 
And so Paul presents this problem, praise God, in the seventh chapter of the book of, 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 um, of Romans. And let me just present it to you real quickly here. Look at, verse number, look at verse number 18. I'm kind of coming into the middle of the thought here, but I just want to get this thing across. Look at it. It says, Paul said, he said in verse 18, 7 and 18 of Romans, he said, for I know that in me that is in my flesh. Everybody say amen. amen. He says, dwelleth no good thing. It says, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Now, he's not, he's not presenting a give-up attitude here. He's just presenting the problem. The problem is my flesh. There's nothing good in there. And so i got to follow the advice that Jesus gave to the woman at the well in the fourth chapter of John. They that come to God must, must believe that he is, praise God, but that he is spirit. And they that worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what God's seeking for. He's not interested in how bad your flesh is. He already knows that. He's not interested in how many times your flesh has tripped you up this week. He's interested in do you believe in him the way the Bible presents him to be. And our God is spirit. He's not a spirit. That's a supplied word that was put in there probably five or six hundred years ago. That's not in the original text. God is not a spirit. He is spirit. And that's why you and I, when we allow the spirit of God to come into our life, whether we're in trouble or whether we've just got some time and we want to fellowship with him and we lift up our hands in faith, I'm going to tell you something, that spirit does not hesitate. It doesn't check out how good and how bad you've been this week. God is an ever-present help in our time of trouble in the name of Jesus. And you can count on that. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. That should lift about 100 pounds of weight off of you right now. That literally should do that. That's what it's intended to do, by the way. It's not intended to put more burdens on you. It's not intended to make you feel worse. What it's intended to do is help you to feel good, praise God, about an almighty God who is great, who is powerful, but comes down and he visits the individual along with the collective body. Come on, somebody just stand up and begin to give him praise. Come on, folks. That's what we're built to do. That's why we're here. Oh my goodness. That's called ground zero. That's called ground zero. That's where we start. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. And even with that type of an understanding, and that's what God wants to do, He wants to bring an understanding into your life, praise God, that regardless of what's going on around you, He doesn't change. He's not worried, praise God. It's not like he's going to start saying, boy, this really is bad around here, isn't it? You know, I don't even know if I can do it or not. You know, that's not God. God brings solutions. That's why sometimes when we have problems, the best thing we can do is quit focusing on them and start focusing on the one who's the solution. Come on, that's not stating that we don't have them. It just says, listen, there's no good thing in me in my flesh. I'm not going to come up with the way to do this, but I know the guy who, I know the one that is in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, I'm connected with him. He doesn't have a waiting room. He doesn't have some kind of an itinerary, praise God, that's more important than this. My God loves me, praise God. And he's my ever-present help in time of trouble. I'm telling you right now, my God is there. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. And so, you know, Paul is saying, you know, here's my problem, praise God. But look at, let me just go down the page here a little bit. Look at verse number 23 in that seventh chapter, praise God. Paul goes on to say, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into, the, into captivity, it says, to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man, he says in verse 24, that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 
There, I, I know what the problem is now, but look at verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Paul recognized the fact that there was a problem that wasn't going to be eradicated yet. And so he had to deal with that. And so it's not that he became schizophrenic. You know, he just realized, praise God, because of his dual natures. Amen. He had the nature of the flesh, which was a fallen nature. The Bible says in the next chapter, he goes into it a whole lot heavier. He says that the carnal mind is enmity with God. What that means is it can't be reconciled to the things of God. It can't even understand them. And yet we frustrate ourselves so much because we try. And there's several of you in this room that's been part of your issue this week. And God wants to help you with that in Jesus' name. David Gray was the man's name. He pastored a church in, um, in uh, um, San Diego um, years ago. He was a tremendous man. I remember he came to our district um, at a minister's conference one time, and he did some teaching that I took. I just couldn't take enough notes. And I wore out the tapes. He just had so, uh, that elder wisdom about him that, that really presented itself tremendously. And, and, and I, I, I've never forgotten that. That's why I'm telling you, my mentors, apostolic mentors, have been many. Praise God. I've not had the privilege to go and spend a lot of time with some of these guys, but I've gotten bits and pieces off them, and, and, I, and I really appreciate what they bring to it, praise God. But he, he wrote an article one time, and I just want to share a little bit of with you today. He said the four great problems that mankind has... And I, I thought about these, and over the years I've kind of preached from them, taken bits and pieces and added, you know, what the Lord gives me and that type of thing. But they fall into these four categories. One of them is sin. Sin is a problem. Number two, guilt. Guilt is a problem, praise God. And then the lack of direction. People sometimes just don't know what way to go. Amen? And then number four, he said the great one, the, the four, he felt like the great problems of mankind was disease and sickness. And these areas, praise God, and, and today, as much as God moves, praise God, you know, we still deal with these areas, praise God. Um, that's why in a lot of the healthy words that the scripture gives us, there's a good um, King James Version ETH on the end of them. And you know what that means? It means it's ongoing. Praise God. Let me give you an example. In the second and the third chapters of the book of Revelation, there's a word called overcometh. And it's used with every church, all seven of those churches. The solution, praise God, that was presented to them was the idea of overcoming. And what the word overcoming literally means is to get the victory. Amen. To get the victory. And you and I must understand, praise God, that that's got to happen more than once. I don't know if you're aware of this, but we love the story of David and Goliath, don't we? We love that story and how he took those five smooth stones and, man, he just drilled that, that, that big, you know, nine-foot or whatever it was, giant right in the middle of the forehead, man, knocked him down. And then, of course, we understand that he took his sword, took the weapon from him and cut the guy's head off. And we have this idea, this is how Hollywood presents it, is we have the idea that once that happened, man, his problems were all over. Now he could just dance into the sunset, praise God, and everything was okay in his world and nothing ever bad happened to him again. Come on, look at somebody and say, not. Yeah, you understand. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic, folks. I'm trying to be extremely realistic. You must understand. It, we don't get, you know, that was in the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel. It isn't until you get to 2 Samuel, I think it's around the 21st chapter, I think there's like verses 4 through 8, you're going to find out, wait a minute, this guy had brothers. This wasn't the only giant in the land. Come on, and some of you get baffled. You say, well, my goodness, I thought God and I took care of that about a month ago. Yeah, you might have. You might have taken up, take, you know, gotten rid of some of that. But the bottom line is, you know, life has a way of coming back and coming back with us. And that's why the faithfulness to the things of God will do you so much good that you can begin to rely on the Lord. The same God that healed you back 10 years ago or whatever the case is, is the same God that can do it today. Can you say amen? amen. And so regardless of what happens to us in life, we have to be careful that we don't become too judgmental. Amen. He's still God and he can do whatever he wants. Can somebody say Amen. But you know, the Bible is very, very clear on how God looks at sin. 
There's no question about it. And of course, in our day and age today, we've got a new interpretation of that. Back when I first came into the church, 40, you know, 40, almost going on 45 years ago, praise God, you know, there were certain things that were very clear-cut sins. But today, you begin to teach people home Bible studies or teach Bible studies, and you begin to mention that kind of thing, saying, you know, that's not right. They're going, oh, no, no, that's okay. God overlooks that now. And that's what troubles me about some of this stuff. You and I must be very careful how we approach this. Amen. And I'm not here to condemn people. I'm not here to even categorize it. But sin is sin is sin. And sin will separate us from God. It will do that. So that's one of the big problems with it. God doesn't expect you to be sinless. Come on. And that's not a give up attitude either. It's just the way it is. But what he does expect you to do is maintain that attitude towards it, praise God. That's what God wants us to do. He wants to help us to understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can you say amen? That's just the way it is. And so we must allow God to convict us of these things and never start compromising and getting to a place where we feel like it's okay. This is okay. I can just keep doing this and God still loves me. Well, you know, half of that is true. But there's going to be consequences, folks, and that's why you and I must, must, must take heed to that. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 2, it says, take heed unto the things that have been said, lest at any time they slip away. You see, that's the way we human beings are. We can allow things to slip away. And that's why God will send us, even in his ever-present time, he will send us constant reminders of the world that you and I are in. Not so that you and I can be overwhelmed, but so that you and I can move on in Jesus' name. Would you lift your hands right now, close your eyes, and ask the Lord to give you understanding about what's been said here. Come on, there's some, there's some tremendous truths. That's right, God. Get past that veneer. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is an absolute, it, it, can t it can tell exactly what we're thinking. Oh, hallelujah. That makes us uncomfortable at times, but it's a God-sent thing. Come on, in your flesh, there is no good thing. In my flesh, there is no good thing. I'm not going to try to compromise to make my flesh feel good. It doesn't bother me if it doesn't feel good. Praise God. It doesn't give me depression either. I'm going to tell you that right now. And that's where somebody needs to be delivered from that. Yeah, your flesh might be making you feel bad right now, but you can say in the name of Jesus, I'm going to serve God in spirit and in truth. I'm not going to allow it to have preeminence in my life. I'm not going to let it to have that throne room. In fact, I'm not even going to let it in in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. And so I could go on and on and on with sin, folks, literally. But the second one was guilt. And God has given us a, a beautiful way in which to do this, praise God. The third, I think it's the third chapter of the book of 1 Peter. It talks about the fact that he makes an analogy. He talks about the days of Noah when the flood came and how water, praise God, literally saved eight of those people. It was supposed to be more than that, but that's all that got on the ark. You know, and you must understand that he makes reference to the fact that water now saves us in baptism, praise God. And not the, the cleansing or, re, or um, eradicating sin in our lives. Because you and I still have flesh. But what it does is it gives us an answer of a good conscience. Amen. Something was happening to me when I came out of that water back in that October afternoon, you know, um, in Dubuque, Iowa. Something happened to me when I came out of that water. Yeah, I had stammering lips, but there was something else that happened. There was a weight that came off of me that I didn't even know I had. And it was the weight of guilt. I felt guilty about what I, what I was doing. And man, for years, just like you, I tried to hide it. I tried to cover it up. I tried to get as good as I could at times, and then I would fail. And so guilt wouldn't go away. But boy, once I came out of that water in the name of Jesus Christ, it didn't mean that I never had guilt again. But boy, I felt it lift. And I'm telling you right now, somebody in this place, if you just come to terms with the baptism in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, I'm telling you right now, you could be free from guilt. 
Oh, hallelujah. I'm talking about it won't be your taskmaster anymore. It won't be the leading thing that you have when you get up in the morning. I'm telling you the truth. Praise God. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw out a challenge. Prove me. Go ahead and have it done. I'm telling you something. My God, I'm confident in what he can do. In Jesus' name. And so guilt will come, praise God. And we have to deal with it, praise God. And that's why, again, our consciences, amen, we can try to shut them off. We can try to douse them and all kinds of stuff. But the best thing to do is to have a good, clear conscience. Amen. And that's what the Lord does. I'm telling you, God's got solutions to these problems, even now in our temporal world. Hallelujah. And then, of course, a lack of direction. That's, that's what we have today because we have so many directions we can go. You know, that's, the, in my opinion, one of the challenges of the Internet is you can jump online at 4 o'clock in the morning and you've got access to all kinds of stuff. And you and I must be very careful with that. Because Jesus, in his, um, you know, when he was uh, beginning to develop a discipleship corp, he began to do some different teaching with them. And you can, you can begin, to, you know, to the, um, even to the novice eye, you can begin to read those Gospels and you can begin to tell the difference in what he's doing, how he's teaching, how he's going in. He's, he's getting deep here. Amen. And, and, and it's powerful, praise God. It really is. Yeah, he still fed the multitudes. He still healed the sick. But I'm here to tell you, he wanted to teach people some things that would last. And that's what he did. And towards the end of one of his dissertations, or one of the places where it says it was, he began to narrow it down. He talked about the two trees, the good and, and, and the bad. He talked about, you know, the difference between those things. And then he talked about the difference between the wise and the unwise. And you should read that for yourself. It's very plain, in my opinion. You don't have to go to, college, you know, to, to the Bible college for 10 years to know this stuff. It hits you right between the eyes. You begin to see the difference. Amen. And that's why that direction is all the same. Jesus said, I believe it's in the 14th chapter of the book of, of John, he says, you know, they, they asked him, how do we know the way? How can we know the way? And Jesus answered it very emphatically. He said, and he didn't have an ego problem. He wasn't trying to lift himself up. He was trying to be very clear today. That's why it starts with the revelation of the Almighty God in Jesus Christ. I believe that's what God wants to help these, us to get back to, the very simplistic idea that there's only one God. And he incarnated himself in a human being, and his name was Jesus. And Jesus became the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. But after he was risen from the dead, he began to be glorified. And now he sits on the right hand of God. That doesn't make two gods. That tells you exactly what God has in store for humanity. Jesus was human being's best teacher. That's what it was. And then the last one we deal with is disease and death. And that one, folks, hits us a lot of times. Amen. I've told people, you know, the time that I get the most nervous as a minister, and I've been doing this, well, I've gone on 35 years as a pastor here, and I was a pastor for three years back in Dubuque. That's not a long time, but it's a while. But I still, I still get something in my gut when I come up and I do a, a marriage thing. I just get nervous. And then at funerals, I get extremely nervous. And God usually calms my nerves as soon as I walk up here and under his anointing. But God helps me to understand, don't rely on your flesh. 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 You've been reading my word now all week. You don't have to sit here and cram on this now. You know what my Bible says. Now just tell them. Now just tell them. I'll give you the words to say. You just tell them. And that's usually what the case is almost every time. And I don't take that for granted. But the bottom line is I understand that at death, people, questions. Whoa, it's right there. They might not have had them for two months, six years, you know, ten years. But all of a sudden, Uncle Joe or whatever the case is dies. And right away that question comes, where did he go? Where's he at right now? Yeah, questions. 
And that's why I'm telling you, praise God. You know, Job, you think of that poor guy, you know, for several, for, you know, for a few weeks, and that's all it really was, you know, was he was going through hell on earth. But how many questions did he get answered? Yeah. And I'm going to guarantee you, you know, after it, it wore off a little bit, maybe a week or two, you know, after that 42nd chapter, I believe that Job would, he would join up and say, it was worth it. Everything I went through, it was worth it. See, that's what you'll find with the kingdom of God. You won't find that God stops everything at your doorstep and says, oh no, you're going to be in this little plastic bubble and nothing bad will ever happen to you. You won't have to ever be challenged. You're just going to float your way to heaven. Not, that's not going to happen, folks. Again, that might be Hollywood's version of this, but that's not the biblical version of it. Come on, God wants you to learn how to overcome. And that's what he will do. He will allow things. He doesn't bring them. He allows them to come into our life so that you and I will know that there are answers in Jesus' name. Praise God. And so let's talk about what we had today. Let's talk about what, we've, what, we've, what, what, we've, what we dealt with today. And, and sis, why don't you get us a song ready? Would you do that? Thank you. Praise God. Let's talk about what are the answers? What are the answers, praise God, to sin? Well, let me give you a biblical approach to it. Is that okay? Praise God. Look at the Gospel of, of Luke, chapter 24. And I know I'm going to present some scriptures that many of you know already, but maybe somebody doesn't, praise God. Look at this. Look at this, Luke 24, and in verse number 45. The scripture says, after Jesus rose from the dead, it says, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures, not the stock market. Not the economy. And this is what I want to help somebody understand. I feel to hesitate right here. You're looking for answers, places where you're not going to get the answers, not the biblical ones. And if you want the right answers, you've got to let God begin to open up your understanding. And literally what that means, that word understanding literally means to put it all together. That's what God wants to help you to do from a scriptural standpoint. And then it says, he said unto them in verse 46, thus it is written and thus it behooved. The word behooved there means it benefited Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. So suffering is beneficial from time to time. And then it says, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among how many nations? How many nations? How many nations? Yes. This is very clear, my friend. The answer to sin is repent and remission. And the only one that can supply that is God. The scripture says in the second chapter of the book of Romans that it's the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Not the goodness of our flesh. Not because we get a little weepy and, and, and that type of thing someday and our emotions are all over the place. No, it's God that leads us into a place where we can change. And then God says, I'll help you to get a clean slate. And that's where the remission of sins is. And that's what you and I have to live with on a daily basis. Amen. God is wanting to help us to come to the solution of the problem of sin. And it is not being better. And it's not being more active. And it's not filling our life full of good things. It comes down to repentance. And that's why John the Baptist was such an important figure before Jesus came onto the scene. Because the scripture teaches us he was preparing the people for who was to come. And he prepared them with one message, and that was repentance. The solution to sin, folks, is repentance and remission. What is the solution to guilt? I already touched on this, and I won't go much further than this. But like I said, in 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse 21, it talks about that once we obey God and do what he wants us to do, that God can literally clean our conscience. And then the conscience can begin to operate the way it was designed to be in the Adamic time. See, in my opinion, that was what Adam had. He wasn't a perfect human being, but he had a perfect conscience. He could hear when God was coming. He could sense what God wanted him to do. 
But as soon as he made a mistake, all of that got messed up. And so you must understand, God can take us back to that. And that's why, again, we need a clear conscience, not more works, not more activity, not filling our life full of all kinds of stuff that we do. This is not the answer. God has already got the answer for you, and that is he wants to clear and clean your conscience on a regular basis. What's the, what's the answer to, to the direction thing? Well, let's, let's read that real quickly here. Look at John chapter number 14, and look at verse number 1. The Bible says there, John 14 and 1, it says, it says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus, by the way. And he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Isn't that a comforting thought? The scripture says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will. I do a teaching sometimes called the I wills of Christ. And this is one of them right there. When Jesus says he will, he will. And the Bible says, he says, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know not, and the way you know. Listen to this. Thomas said unto him, you know the guy like Peter who asked the question that everybody else had? He said, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And then Jesus very emphatically said in verse number 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's not 20 doors. There's not 16 doors. There's not even two doors. There's only one door, praise God, and his name is Jesus. Come on, lift your hands right now and ask the Lord to help you to receive that. Come on, this is not that hard. Come on, this is the answer for the lack of direction. Jesus is the direction, not the coal mine, not the economy, not, you know, any of our presidents. I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus but probably one of the toughest ones that we have to understand. Because all of these are very, in my opinion, very, very, very plain. Sin is, is sin. You know, guilt is there. We all can understand that. Lack of direction is where we find ourselves a lot of times. But what about this sickness and this disease stuff? Yeah, that one's a tough one, isn't it? Because sometimes we just don't know. Praise God. I'm still going to pray for people. Amen. My Bible tells me these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. One of those signs is they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So I believe that. And I've seen many times people get healed. And so I'm not here to size it up, praise God. I'm just saying sometimes we're going to encounter that and we've got to know what's happening. Well, in Jesus' time, they had a perfect example. Look at the ninth chapter of the book of John, the Gospel of John. And here's the situation where the Bible says there was a guy that was blind from his birth. What means is he was born that way. And so the scripture says his disciples asked him, saying, Master, in verse number two there, what happened here? Who sinned? His parents or him? Do you want to know how wacky our beliefs can get? There were some Jewish people that believed that you could sin in the womb. What a ridiculous thing. Listen to me, folks. In my opinion, it's the last place that there's innocence. That's the last place. And you can do what you want, what they did on Friday, but I'm glad. I'm not here to be political. I'm not here to throw it in their face. But I'm here to tell you that was wrong. Our nation was wrong in 1973. And I'm glad we're writing that right now. I am glad. Now, I'm not saying that all pregnancy is good and everybody, but I'm here to tell you, folks, the answer is not taking a life. That's never been the answer. And so you and I must understand, here's a kid that was born this way. And they're saying, Jesus, who sinned, his mom and dad or him? And boy, you talk about getting it off the mark. And so Jesus, again, wanting to straighten us out. Look at this. Somebody needs to take heed to this. And I don't know how long that takes, but I do know it will happen. 
The scripture says, Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. Listen to me, folks. God either gives us grace and faith to get rid of it, or he gives us grace and faith to walk through it. So either way, it's a win-win situation. Now, I'm not making excuses for why people don't get healed. I'm just telling you there's a reason for what God allows to happen. Amen. And you and I, we don't have the final say, praise God. God is the one that has the final say. And so whether it be sin, whether it be guilt, whether it be lack of direction, whether it be sin or disease, I'm telling you something, folks, from a biblical standpoint, we have the answers. We just need to learn to walk in that light. And we need to learn to trust the one, praise God, that knows it all in Jesus' name. Praise God. Listen to me. Jesus emphasized the point one time. He said, it'd be better if you walked into heaven with one arm. He said, it'd be better if you walked into heaven with one leg. And I'm not advocating any of that, folks. I'm just saying there is not a disease or sickness that can keep me out of heaven. That's what I'm talking about right now. And this is what we need to keep pumping into people. Praise God. Yes, God can heal. Yes, this might be your day. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to believe in Jesus' name. Amen. And it's not like we got this little ace in the hole, but I'm here to tell you, folks, I'm telling you, God is true. He knows what he's doing in Jesus' name. And so you see, what happened here was God waited a long time for this kid to get healed. But wow, what a testimony. What a testimony. How about the guy in the third chapter of the book of Acts who had been at that gate for 38 years? How about that woman, praise God, that came to Jesus and she was, had that condition for 12 years and then another one for 18 years? Yeah, do you want to start putting little categories up? No, all I'm saying is that Jesus says there's a work that God wants to do in this life, praise God. And there's always opportunity, praise God. And that's what you and I must keep in mind. That's the solution to the problems that you and I have. Amen. I'm not trying to, to size one up against another. All I'm saying is that if you go to the Bible, praise God, you're going to get clear, clear answers in Jesus' name. Let's stand. I think we've got about five minutes left here before we usually let loose here. And I want to do something here. I, I, I expect this. There needs to be some kind of response here, folks. And I'm not looking for emotion. I'm not looking for you to run the aisles and do all kinds of things. But listen, folks, before you check out of here, you need to come to terms with what was been said here. Not because I said it, but because you saw it in the Scriptures. Now, either you're going to embrace that and, make, and, 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 and begin to make plans for that, or you're going to begin to dismiss that and go out there and do the same thing that you've always done. And let me just ask you a question. How's that working for you? That's what I thought. And I'm not being critical. I'm just saying now's the time for a change. Now's the time for God to begin to do what he wants to do. Let's begin to lift up our hands right now. Let's begin to lift up our hands in the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm telling you right now. Let him do what he wants to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, begin to call upon the Lord. Oh, hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to do something here this morning because I just read it in the scriptures. It was in the 73rd Psalm, and, and, and David was kind of airing out his little, um, you know, problems in life. And one of the things that David had observed was that, man, people who don't do right seem like they prosper. It seems like they're getting things in this life, and where's the fairness in that? And he was making a pretty strong case until you get to about the middle of that 73rd Psalm. And then David says, then I went to the house of God. And that's why I have such confidence in what God is doing and when he does it. What's a move of God? When is a move of God? Yeah, I don't have a complete answer for that. But I do know that God does want to move in our life and give us answers. And I believe a lot of times it'll happen in a service like this. We've seen the injustices out there. We've seen things that have happened, and we're going, why, God? Why? And you want to know what David saw? He saw their end. He saw that they were only going to be for a time. 
See, what you and I are investing in here is for eternity. I understand we can't wrap ourselves around that. We don't have the ability to do that. But we can understand that it's happening. Amen. And that's what God helps us to begin to see. That sin is only for a season. Guilt, you know, doesn't have to last the rest of your life. You don't have to travel through life without direction. And sin and disease, whether God decides to heal me or whether he, not, he doesn't, it's not going to be forever. Because I'm going to guarantee you something right now, folks, and this is not a cop-out. There is going to be no sickness or disease in heaven. There is not going to be any of that up there. And so you and I, we have that in Jesus' name. Now do something for me. We've got a couple of minutes here. I want you, if you can, can you come down to this altar? I want us to finish this service today the way I feel like the Lord wants to do it for you in Jesus' name. I believe God wants to give you fresh revelation of what's happening, praise God, in your life in Jesus' name. And I believe that the Spirit of the Lord has been here all during this service to set this up. This is not something that because you were so good this week that God wants to give you this gift. This is because He is God. And he has answers in Jesus' name. Now, do you believe that God has the right answers? Why don't you lift your hands right now towards heaven in the name of Jesus? And let's trust him. Let's trust him.